today on Showtime College Football, the biggest week in college football history broken down, plus a feature from Duck Zone 503 after the huge win against Colorado. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of Showtime College Football. I'm your host, Chase Davidson, and we have a lot to get through for week four. Some fantastic finishes. Let's go. Welcome into the show. Before I get started, wanted to announce, make sure you're following us on all of our socials, Showtime CFB on Instagram, Showtime CFB pod on Twitter, um, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, wherever you are watching this uh, make sure to subscribe so that we can uh, accurately see who's actually listening to the podcast all right let's get into it I'm gonna have my guy from duck zone 503 on in just a few minutes which I'm very excited for and we're gonna discuss that amazing or not so amazing uh, if you're a Colorado fan uh, Colorado U- or Colorado Oregon game anyways let's start out with my Week four awards, and I'm going to kind of go over these. My CFB categories, as it's called on uh, on the Instagram. Um, and my team of the week this week is the Oregon Ducks. Let's talk about it with Duck Zone 503. My guest of honor today is Dominic Peterson from Duck Zone 503. Um, met him on the social He's a great guy, and I absolutely love his content. He is the best Oregon podcast I've seen. Um, go follow him on Instagram, DuckZone503. Um, but yes, Dominic, where are you from? Uh, obviously, you're an Oregon fan. And uh, yeah, why do yeah. you love why do you love college football or just Oregon in general? Why do you love them so much? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I grew up, born and raised here, um, Portland, Oregon. Uh, family's always been big Duck fans from my grandparents to my, to my, to my, to my parents, all that. It's been great. I, I, I love it. I've always been a big duck fan all my life, born and raised into it, went to games since I was a kid and, you know, just always been a day one duck fan. And with my podcast, I kind of try to bring that fan perspective, that fan view and involve fans into it. So if any duck fans or any other, you know, fans of college football want to come onto my podcast and just talk college football, I love to do that as well. I, I talk a lot of Oregon, but I also like to talk the rest of college football. A lot of West Coast is what I really focus on. But if anybody from other conferences want to come in, talk about Oregon, Oregon games, I, I love to debate, talk, all that. It's, it's always fun. Heck yeah. All right. And uh, this is why I have my Showtime College Football, because he's a great, great guy and uh, loves not only just Oregon, but all of college football as a whole. Um but let's get into it. As 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 you guys know, uh, the Oregon Ducks, number ten ranked Oregon Ducks, hosted the number nineteen Colorado Buffaloes this weekend, and I'm sure most of you watched it. As pretty much everybody in the country watches Colorado play football um, this year. And how'd that game? Uh, how'd it go, Dominic? <laughs> oh yeah, I was there, man. It was the sixth largest crowd in Autzen Stadium in their history, so it was a packed Dang. stadium for sure. Yeah, standing room tickets were going for above $150 just for standing room. So this was a much-anticipated game. 
I, I'm not sure on the TV viewer numbers, but I think they're expecting anywhere between 10 to 15 million. And this was just a great opportunity for Oregon to go out there and prove who they are. You heard it in Dan Lanning's speech. They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. They showed it out on the field. I actually just posted a clip on my social media at Doug's on 503. Shiloh Sanders out there, DB for Colorado, talking the most shit. I'm sorry. Can I, I don't know if I cuss. Talking the most poop no, out there. Good, like out there talking to our players, going going in, and that is what motivated us. A couple of their players kick, uh, came in on Friday, checked out Autzen Stadium, and there was film on them kicking, kicking up dirt on the O, dragging their cleats on the O. And that's everything Dan Lanning and the Ducks needed to go out there and dominate the way they did. I think you've seen it on the offensive-defensive lines. I said it in my podcast before the game that this Colorado offensive line allowed 16 sacks coming into the game. Oregon – their defensive line was not that great last year, but this year they have brought in a whole bunch of speed with Jordan mm -hmm. Birch, the former five-star from South Carolina coming in. Mateo Ugiagale is a former, uh, the true freshman five-star starting at the two edge positions. We didn't have those guys last year. Then you bring in Tatum Toyote, another four-star edge, coach of our defensive line, uh, son of our defensive line coach, Tony Toyote. He's a coach's kid, ready to play day one. He's he's making a lot of impact for the Ducks. I think he had a sack in the game. Blake Purchase also got a lot of pre pressure on Shador Sanders on Saturday. He's another freshman here. So the Ducks brought in a total of 10 offensive linemen and defensive linemen in this 2023 class. You're seeing it in the year two of Dan Lanning, and he's seen it at Georgia what he did. The speed on the defensive line is the difference for this Ducks defense, and they're sitting right now at top – 15 in the country i think they're number 11 in total defense they're number nine in pass defense look last year i have the stats right here in front of me let me pull it up so last right now the ducks they're only giving up 264 yards per game compare that to last year where they gave up an average of 381 yards per game they're allowing only 158.8 passing yards per game that's good for number nine in the country compare that to last year's defense which gave up 256 passing yards per game so it's obvious that this defense has improved now I get it. A lot of you guys are probably saying, look, we're only four weeks into the season. Calm down, Dom. But just based off who they played, okay, they played Hawaii week three. I get it's Hawaii, but they came in as the num nation's number one passing offense in week yeah, three. It wasn't USC and Caleb Williams. Yeah, it was. And Braden Shager shut them down, 131 passing yards against the Ducks. Shador Sanders comes in, Colorado, on fire, held Shador Sanders to under 200 yards passing, 159 yards passing is what he finished with now. Ducks have to play Michael Penix October 14th, Cam Ward October 21st, so that's going to be popcorn, fireworks. But this defense, man, is the difference for the Ducks. I've always said it as a long-term Duck fan. Ducks, especially my age, I'm a young Duck fan, they've always had elite offenses. They can score the ball. The Ducks will always score the ball as long as I'm alive. If they can get a defense here, that's the difference for the Ducks in between them being really good and became, becoming elite. And right. they brought in Dan Lanning. When they brought in a defensive-minded coach, I thought that was key. And the way he's recruiting players bringing in just in year one, there's a bunch of freshmen playing. There's a sophomore starting at corner that I didn't expect to start. There's a walk-on at linebacker that he's also a baseball player that's starting for the Ducks that I didn't see coming. So there's a few pieces on top of the recruiting class, like a lot of players that I was expected to play and some key under players, like a walk-on, a true sophomore that I didn't see coming are, are, make, are playing key snaps for the Ducks. And, man, it's making a real difference for the defense. we just seen it Saturday. Yeah, I – Obviously, that entire spill came from an absolute God Oregon fan. <laughs> Absorb all that information and know that he. there's a lot of things that are complete facts in this. I think The one thing I want to focus on is that Dan Lanning 
has introduced a powerful defense in the Pac-12, which um, I, I mean, I love the Pac-12. No hate on the Pac-12, but it's not a defensive conference. It has, it always yeah. has pretty much been probably the weakest defensively of a conference, always high octane offenses and just defenses that are just, they're there. Um, 100%. I like all like the big 12 a few years ago, but I think even this year, Washington's defense has looked good. USC's defense has improved, but Oregon's defense is completely set apart. Dan Lanning, what he's built there is like, Hey, like we are a PAC 12 team that plays like, I would say top five caliber defense, like a defense that can hold up against a X uh, playoff team. That's, that's the huge difference between this Oregon team. And we just saw it against say what you want about Colorado, but one of the best offenses in the nation so far, especially with Shooter Sanders Um, missing Travis Hunter, I think may have gave an extra touchdown maybe. Um, But still Oregon dominated on all aspects, not just in coverage, but especially in those trenches, like you were saying, that D line of Oregon was how many times was it was at least like seven or eight sacks. It was a lot of sacks, seven, seven, seven sacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven sacks. And, 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 and Oregon had 18 sacks all year last year, 18, and they had seven <laughs> in this game. So that's just, that's just showing you right there. The difference right. in the D line from night and day. 100%. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, a huge step for Oregon and Oregon really proved themselves. And I th- it's, it's hard right now because there is so much parody in, um, in college football right now. Now, Oregon still, uh, is it, are we at eight now? Ranked eight, ninth? I think number, number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine. And that's mm-hmm. the thing is that you take these nine teams, I'd say the entire top nine teams in the country, even you could even say 10 with Notre Dame and maybe 11 with Utah. We haven't really seen them full power yet, but I'd say 10 with Notre Dame conservatively are completely fluid. Like they, mm-hmm. I, every single team in the top 10 right now, I could see beating every other team in the top 10 you could make a case nearly for every single team to be number one two three four five six seven eight that's why this week when you're on social media you see all these everyone's top 25 is like wild because some people have florida state at one some people have florida state at nine it's it's wild and yeah it's it's crazy so oregon don't fret i don't think you're being really slept on yet number nine i think is I don't know. How do you feel about being ranked nine? Do you feel like you deserve higher or do you feel like that's, that's, uh, that's right. Uh, I'd say put us above USC, the way USC played against Arizona state last week, I'd say move us to eight. Other than that, I'm fine with the teams ahead of us. Like Washington looks really good. They've handled mm-hmm. business like they should. Penn state looks really good. They've kind of shut out their opponents. Florida state's got a big win. You know, and then the top four, Ohio State, Texas, Michigan, Georgia. I, I could argue that those teams are, are better than Oregon right now. But other than that, I'd say number eight uh, put us ahead of USC. That's kind of the only debate I'd have with the AP poll. But I'm fine where we're at. Uh, if we beat Washington, you got to put us in the top five, maybe top four in the country, because uh, that's going to be a big time game if we beat them on the road. Oh, um, oh I, yeah, I'd say in a couple weeks. So, if yeah. you were to play Washington right now, like if you played them on mm-hmm. Saturday and nothing else really happened in college football, I put Oregon number one. I think Washington's okay. super good. I'm saying no, I'm yeah. dead serious. If you put if you put okay. if you were to beat them right now, um, just based on what's going on, when you when you beat in Colorado, obviously overrated or not, you beat Colorado very soundly. It wasn't even a close game, and you beat Washington like that. I'd say maybe even if I'm going conservative, hundred percent, I would say top three. Like no, like because I have Washington number two in my poll. I I think Washington is, is freaking insane, and like that yeah. offense is crazy i mean you watch them play i know cal is cal they're better than most years this year i'd say mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but like 
I mean, they're just four verticals every single time. They're just launching the ball. And yeah. I know that you can't do that quite as well, maybe against a team like Oregon that can man-to-man match up against those receivers. But still, I mean, that's a the wide receiver combo with Penix is wild at Washington. And obviously USC, if you can outpower out offense USC, be very impressive. But uh now that Oregon has a defense, you can be a whole lot more confident. That USC game looks like you can win. The Washington Washington game looks like all right, like you get it, you get a few big stops on Washington. It all comes down to their defense. And I have, we haven't really seen their defense against uh what would you call a, a high powered offense? We, they, they played decent teams, but no one really relevant yet. So Oregon's sitting in a really good spot, a really good spot. And yeah. next, next week is at Stanford at Stanford. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. And that's, that's what I was going to say. That's like the biggest X factor in this conference. And that's why I love what I'm seeing this early from the defense. And I'm hoping it keeps up, but I've, I said in the preseason, whoever has the best defense in the conference will win the conference because there's all these great quarterbacks, there's all these great offenses, but who's going to stop that that the best offense in the country? And right now it looks like Washington, Oregon looks like they have the best uh, defense in the conference right now. So, yeah, I think ESPN, the game predictor, is like 50-50 right now. It's really a flip of the coin for that game. It was last year, and what has me kind of hanging my hat on Oregon right now is their defense looks a lot better against a well-tested. They played two of the top four quarterbacks right now, so – Braden Shager's number four. Uh, Shador Sanders is number two in passing yards, and they've held them under 200 yards, both of them. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm really high on Oregon's defense right now. It's still early, so I don't want to completely buy in, but I'm really high on that. I kind of lean my hat going on the road. If you have a defense, that really helps. Then you got Bo Nix, Treshawn Holden, Troy Franklin, Gary Bryant Jr., Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington. You know what the offense can do. So I'm really high on Oregon right now, obviously off that win, but – I still think Colorado is like a 7-6 win team when it's all said and done. I don't know if that's a hot take, but, you know, the Pac-12 is just so deep this year. Colorado is a damn good team, but the Pac-12 might arguably be the best conference in America right now, just the way how, how deep these teams are, how many ranked teams there are, and the, the, the gauntlet we have to go to. We have to play nine conference games, okay? It's not like the SEC where you get to play eight, and that's no shot to the SEC. Very, all, that's one of the best conferences in America each and every year. But again, they get they get that buy they get that FCS week towards the end of the season. They play only eight conference games. The, the Pac-12, you got every week Pac-12 team, P5 team. You don't get you don't get a week off. So it's tough out here on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. The Pac-12, especially if these if the it's more about the heavyweights now because the bottom half of the Pac-12 has proved that like all right, Pac-12 from week one. All right, this is the deepest conference, hundred percent. All right, in terms of depth best conference now it turns to the heavyweights all right so are your yeah. three best teams you can even say four best teams are they actually top 10 teams that could beat a high-powered sec team and if they are then the pac-12 is by a mile the best conference it all comes down to yeah, those and, and, big matchups yeah and that's been that's been the knock on the pac-12 is is you know we always we always good but we all beat each other and and that's the thing oregon washington usc they still have yet to play each other and they all still do play each other so if it's just the cycle of death again where everybody beats everybody, I mean, you could see the, you know, the Pac-12 getting booted out again with every team having two losses. Who knows? But this is kind of a hot take I guess I'll leave with you here. Um, I think the Pac-12 might get two teams in in the, in the Pac-12 or in the playoff this year. I really do because there's so many good teams this year 
And the way the landscape of college football, you just said it. You could debate in the top 10. You could put teams anywhere in the top 10. Mm -hmm. That top 10 of teams can beat anybody. Anybody. It's not that really one elite team like Georgia was in 2021. They're just beating everybody. You could tell, okay, that's the team to beat. There's none of that. There's really, it's really up in the air right now. And with how deep the Pac-12 is, with how much respect the Pac-12 is getting, Deion Sanders, Colorado being in the conference, that kind of helps. I think we're going to get enough respect to where if, you know, Alabama already has a loss, if the SEC is kind of down a little bit and, you know, the Big Ten, Ohio State, they've looked all right, but they haven't really like super impressed me. Like, wow, that's like a team that everybody has to watch out for. They look good, but not like elite. There's not elite teams. There's a pack of good teams. So I really think that this could be the year where you see maybe two Pac-12 teams even get in to the conference, to the Pac-12 excuse me i'm messing up my words the, the playoff this playoff year. yeah i i yeah. complete that that's a valid take i haven't even thought about thought about that for, for some reason because usually there's a conference that gets two in most of the time uh obviously last uh two or three years there has been two from a conference and i mean the pac-12 you haven't even had a playoff candidate since what the 2017 washington is that yeah, what it's, am i right yeah, it's, on there it's yeah yeah it's been a while yeah so mm-hmm. but however my hot take is almost the same thing is I would say, despite the cannibalism of the, of the pac 12, I say, this is the year that a conference produces a two win team that goes to the playoff. A two win team has ever been to the playoff. However, I could see a two loss Washington or two loss Oregon two loss USC um, winning the pac 12 championship and heading off to the playoff with two losses against Oregon, Washington, enter your uh, top dog of pac 12. Honestly, at this point, when you win your non-conference games, you have the credibility. The Pac-12 can come at the very end of the year and say, look, we beat everybody, pretty much everybody outside of our conference. We, did, we didn't lose any big non-conference games. Here's why this is the best conference and why we should get the respect for, um, for these, this nine-conference schedule. And I, I think you could totally see it all depends on who's, who's there. The two-win team is going to have to piece in there. But I could see it. if it's a Pac-12 champion, heck yeah. You keep saying two win. I think you mean two loss. Because <laughs> oh a two gosh. win team getting in the playoff would be Yo. crazy. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Guys, I mean You're two good. loss. I mean two loss. Holy frick. Two You're loss good, team. A two loss team in the playoff in the Pac-12. Honestly, I might even call it. Obviously, if there's a one win, if there's a one loss team, undefeated team, obviously they're in. One loss team in the Pac-12, I think there's not even a chance that they're not in there. And you've proved we've proved now with TCU. If you go undefeated and lose in a championship game that you've earned as an extra extracurricular game, um, it really doesn't hurt your chances, even with TCU. So, a team that goes undefeated regular season or a one loss team, one hundred percent in for the Pac-12. I a lot of people are still saying that the Pac-12 won't get a candidate. I'm very confident they will because it's so much different than than last year. It's it's so much different than last year. So yeah, it's a, it's different than a lot of years, man. I mean, the Pac-12 has been down for a while. I mean, that's why they're kind of de- fading out into the dust. And uh, what a coincidence, man! The last year, the Pac-12, we get this uh, last year of fireworks. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, yep. Respect. So I'm excited for Oregon. Oregon for me is in that top slot. I have Oregon right now as my Pac-12 champion. That's who I'm thinking is there. I see an Oregon-Washington rematch. They look the best to me. USC looks high octane, but Arizona State is poverty, and you can't let that happen. That was really scary to see from USC. Utah hasn't turned it on yet. We got to see him with Cam first. Once we see Utah with yeah. Cam, there. I feel bad for. I'm sorry, Utah fans. I haven't been mentioning you in this. I just 
haven't seen a playoff caliber win yet. You've beat really good teams with your defense. Um, yeah. Just wait, just waiting to get Cam back. No worries. Don't think I'm hating on you guys. You're still in there. <laughs> but once you get Cam back and I see how you're doing, then we'll talk playoff um, and see how the full team well, is. So. Well, Utah, the, the Ducks play Utah October 28th. That's three nights before Halloween. We all know how they get out there in Salt Lake City, man. It's it's yeah. probably going to be a night game. That that place is going to be rocking. Uh, I think Utah has only lost two games at home the last five seasons, so it's that's going to be a tough one. I I argue I put this out there before the season kicked off. I still kind of believe it. This might be that that Utah game on the road might be Oregon's toughest game on the schedule. Now we yeah. we have to go to Washington. That that looks to be the toughest game on the schedule to this point. But just statistically, how good they are at home. Kyle Whittingham is a 20-year vet as a head coach. He has his defense looking real good. And right around that time will be when Cam Rising is, is coming in, and that's just dangerous for the Ducks. So I am scared for that game. Yeah, <laughs> I'll call it right now. Oregon's winning if it's a, if it's a 1 p.m. game. Utah's winning if it's a 8 p.m. game. <laughs> yeah, that's that going to be hard to win. If it's a night that game, that's a, that's a tough play. I mean, pretty much anywhere at night is always harder to play in a away game. Mm. Uh, Salt Lake City at night is pretty dang scary. I actually really, because my my buddy Sned uh, is a huge Oregon fan, we thought about going to this game, but I'm actually going to BYU-Texas that week in Austin. Mm, that's going to be good. Uh, yeah, so I will be, be awesome. gone that weekend. I will not be in Salt Lake. Um, however, that might, you could argue, that's kind of like a hot take that I like. That could be the hardest game on the schedule. Washington's also a super hard place to play. Uh, yeah. A lot of stadium and CFB. So Oregon's got to cut I'll be for there. I, I I'll was be in Seattle. You go to Seattle? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll be in that. I'll be there for sure. I My dad lives at, up there, uh, so I'm able to go up there. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was looking at a – someone was telling me that Oregon has like a super easy schedule. And obviously the home away slate is easier. Like your home and away games are like very nicely spread out. Like I've probably never seen a better one where you're only double away games. There's a bye week in between, which is after Stanford, I'm thinking, right? Um, yeah, and yeah, it's absolutely like, for the bye It's week. like okay, yeah, but like you're playing like three top ten teams, two of them being on the road, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how easy yeah. that is. Um, I, I would say last year's schedule was pretty, probably more difficult because you had to go play Georgia and Atlanta and then BYU yeah. at home and stuff. But yeah, I mean, this year going to Texas Tech, no feet, you know, that was right. tough. The Ducks had a lot of penalties in that game, almost beat themselves, but they got to they got to win there. Um, yeah. yeah, Stanford, this is going to be a big, uh, a big game for me. And I get, it's not, it's, it's Stanford. Not a, a lot of people have this as a W for the ducks easily, but here's the thing, man, the ducks historically have Stanford's been that team. Okay. Just in 2021, they go to Ohio state a couple weeks later. What happens? They go to Stanford and lose a Stanford team that won only three games that year, beat the ducks after they beat Ohio state. So here we are in 2023, we, we beat Colorado big time win. Now we're going to Stanford. 2012 Ducks probably in my opinion the, the the greatest team in Oregon history 2012 we had Marcus Mariota Eric I Armstead. remember that game I remember that yeah game. yeah we were going against Stanford we lost 17 to 14 in overtime Zach Ertz catching in his own we were a D'Anthony Thomas block away from right. beating them like D'Anthony Thomas we we're running down the sideline Marcus Mariota was running it and all he had to do was block a safety he just misses the block and the safety gets him and they eventually stop us on fourth down at the goal line down there Take it in. But that was that was years ago. I'm just saying this Stanford team, they played Arizona pretty tough. I would not relax on this one. And I the thing I want to see from the Ducks is they played at home. They've been dominant at home. That road game they played at Texas Tech, they kind of struggled. They had a lot of penalties. 
We go to Washington after the bye week. I want to see the Ducks just put it on Stanford, handle business on the road, because that's what they're supposed to do if you're a good team. And they haven't performed that well as a road team under Dan Lanning. So I want to see it. They struggled against Washington State early. They were down 27 to 15 entering the fourth quarter last year. They struggled on the road at Atlanta. They got blown out. Uh, you know, and then other than that, they blown out the bad teams, but uh, on the road, but against like, you know, good teams like Texas Tech's an average team, they kind of struggled. So I want to see this game just be a, a dominant game. No penalties. Don't beat yourself. Let's get through it. And then let's get, you know, that confidence for that Washington week. Cause that's going to be absolutely fireworks. Yeah. That's definitely the, the worry that the Texas tech game is the only thing was the only thing really holding me back from putting Oregon like top five. Um, obviously yeah. this is college football. Every little tiny mistake is critiqued and put into rankings. That's why it's mm-hmm. one of the hardest sports because every single moment matters in the entire season. That's what made college football great. But the Texas tech game was pretty scary. And honestly, Oregon should not have won that game. I mean, with a pick six mm-hmm. to win the game. I mean, Oregon's thinking they're lucky stars that they were able to escape Lubbock with that win. Obviously I think Oregon's a better team. However, very underachieving under uh, yeah, underachieving performance, a little scary. And I think that uh, hopefully it scared Oregon straight. Hopefully it kind of yeah. like put the players like, all right, we cannot do that again. So yeah. Um, well, in that game, that they, yeah, hundred percent. And in that game, they had 14 penalties for over 125 yards. Yeah. And th- in this last Colorado game, even they had nine penalties for 80 yards. So it, it needs to get fixed and you not putting him in the top five. That's totally understandable because, a top five team does not lead the country in penalties. I mean, I don't know if they lead the country, but they're they're definitely up there. Every game they've had penalty problems. So that is something that almost bit them in the butt against Texas Tech. If you do that at Washington, you do that against USC, teams where you you put yourself behind the eight ball all the time, the whole game, uh, you're not going to escape. You're able to do that against teams like probably like Texas Tech and get away, you know, with the 20 to three fourth quarter and get out of there. But um not against washington on the road you can't do that and it's been a problem all year so something they've got to fix is penalties they're not a you're not a championship team you're not a top five team in the country if you're the most penalized one of the most penalized teams in the country basic simple math right there (laughs) no yeah that's that totally makes sense i mean that was alabama's curse last year alabama had the talent and probably the team to be in the playoff and that was the one thing that killed them i mean against tennessee against all those teams last year bama nearly i think they had the third most penalties in the nation last year um or yeah. something close to that they were top five um and I, that's what killed them i mean they that yeah. killed them that's they uh and so can't do that if you're oregon and uh that's the i think that's probably the x factor almost almost no one's performance i think it's the x factor for oregon winning those away games like you just said especially at utah yeah. at washington you're gonna get a lot of false starts if you can't correct those a lot of illegal formations a lot of miscommunication um just like um uh, what do you call uh formation uh or what do you call discipline penalties uh i can't mm-hmm. really call that but uh yeah. both, both, both those games are going to be you know coin flips you know right. usc washington U- even utah those are going to be coin flips where people on both sides with the money you're going to see the money line just just go both sides so yeah penalties turnovers discipline don't beat yourself those are the key things to win close games 100%. right right well, uh, anything else to add for Oregon? Any uh, any a shout out to your fans or uh, uh-huh. anything for the Ducks? Yeah. Do you think? Do you have them in the? Do you have them in your playoffs? Um, 
no, not right now because they, you know, they beat Colorado. But again, like I said earlier, I think Colorado finishes as a seven, six win team. So right now it looks very impressive because they had a lot of this hype. They were, you know, three, you know, highly ranked Oregon got them at the right time. They got them at the perfect time where they have the most hype. They got them at the peak where the hype's coming out. We're going to start seeing this Dion hype come down a little bit after USC beats them this week. I think it's going to start coming down. Now, if Colorado goes out and beats USC, that just makes the, that Oregon win look even better. But as of right now, it's too early. I want to see them go against Washington. Now, if they beat Washington, lock them in for me as college football playoff contenders, Pac-12 champs, whatever you want to call it. I think they're going to be for real if they go out on the road and beat Washington. Uh, but, yeah, shout out all my Duck fans. Shout out everybody watching. Um, if you guys want to follow me, I'm at DuckZone503 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all platforms. So go check me out. I go to all the Oregon games. I vlog the games from the tailgate during the game to the after party. I take you on the, the – so you, you guys can get a feel of like, hmm, what would it be like to be at a, as a fan in Autzen Stadium? I give you that on the channel. Recruit interviews, uh, any recruits that Oregon's talking to, I try to get them on here and stuff like that. So it's always fun here on Duck Zone. And uh, shout out Showtime. You know, I love it here. I, I've been watching you guys grow like crazy. So keep following them. They're doing great work as well. Heck yeah. Thanks, Dominic. Yeah, be, for, be sure to go watch his vlogs. I actually, I watch those every week. I like them. They're nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a cool place to go watch uh, watch some football. So it's good stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Wish Oregon the best. Let's go, Ducks. It was a pleasure having Duck Zone Dominic on the podcast. But let's keep on going. Game of the week. Oregon State, Notre Dame. Who? Oregon State, Notre Dame. This game was wild. I sure hope everyone was able to watch this game because that was amazing, amazing college football. If you appreciate football, then you loved this game. Now, not everyone loves defensive football. I get that. I know that you can prefer one or the other, but you can at least have the maturity to appreciate that that was an amazing football game. Now, this was there was a, there's several things that make this different than a lot of big games. There were not very many mistakes in this game. I know mistakes make it really fun and interesting, but you have to, you know, you have to give it to both teams for hardly any penalties. I mean, let's look how many penalties. I know there were no turnovers in this entire game. Um, no penalties, pretty much. And it was close to the very end. Let's see. Okay, five penalties for Ohio State and four penalties for Notre Dame. Four for 50 from Notre Dame, five for 35. That's pretty dang low. Very impressive from both these teams. Honestly, this is one of those games where not this doesn't happen very often, but both teams looked better as a result of this. Like I am more confident in Notre Dame than I was um, Saturday morning. Honestly, even though they lost and they lost in that way, if you guys haven't seen it, go watch a replay. Um, Ohio State wins on a final play. I, I'm, I'm assuming you watched it. But, I mean, this game came out of the wire. Notre Dame pretty much had it actually in the bag. Ohio State makes a late drive and is able to punch it in with, with zero seconds on the clock. Well, one second on the clock. Pretty wild, um, to say the least. So, Notre Dame only falls, I think, two spots to number 11 this week. Ohio State, I think, jumps to four. Um, so, Pretty justified. That's the one thing the AP poll got right, I think, is not dropping Notre Dame too far. Um, but this game this game was my game of the week because 
both teams were playing some very impressive football, very equal. And Sam Hartman has changed this Notre Dame team. This is a way different team than last year. I don't know if you all saw that opening uh, opening week game, Ohio State Notre Dame last year. That was a uh, bad. I remember that game was pretty disappointing. It was number five Notre Dame versus number two Ohio State, and we all know that Notre Dame was not number five last year. They did trend towards the end of the year um, in the right direction, but um, they quickly quickly got kind of outed as number five and. Uh, Fell, fell out of the rankings in about th- two or three games. Um, they lost to Ohio State. They lost to Marshall uh, the following week. And it took them a while to really recover from those losses. They also lost to Stanford later in the season. But they also beat Clemson. Wild team last year. Anyways, um, kudos to Notre Dame for showing up. That game was in South Bend. And it was awesome. So what are some things we can take away from this game? What what does this mean now that we've shown our appreciation for this game? What does this mean for the rest of college football for the rest of the season? Well, it means one thing. We can finally respect Ohio State again, as I was not giving them due respect. You know, being Notre Dame in South Bend is pretty hard to do, especially with that kind of intensity. As you guys know, this was probably one of the biggest games for Notre Dame in the last 30 years. And finally, one of the most winnable games for Notre Dame. I feel so sorry for Notre Dame fans. Got their hopes up. This was the one. They were finally going to win this game because as you guys know, Notre Dame has not really shown up in big games just in history. Um, especially in the last, I believe it's like they're two and 18 or something against top five ranked or top 10 ranked opponents in the last X amount of years. Um, which is tough as the fan base of Notre Dame has had so many seasons where they've been there. They've had a playoff appearance and, of course, the 2012 2012 National Championship. So you've almost been there, Irish fans. And I love the Irish. Now, honestly, this game made me... Honestly, I'm like, frick. It's fun to be a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame is, like, just fun to watch. You know, a godlike team, you know? Ah, religious school. I don't know. I think Notre Dame's got some real power. Anyways, but Notre Dame is not out of the playoff race. You lose a last-minute game to Ohio State, and you come to the end of the year, you've got one loss, and at this point, if you're Notre Dame, you've had a win against Clemson and USC. You're getting in the playoff with a one loss to Ohio State, unless Ohio State's a complete bust or something. Even then, one loss on on the last play of the game, like... Season's not over. Now it's gonna be harder. Now this isn't it's not a good thing. However, it's not all lost. Um, I, I mean you still have a lot to look forward to. I think that Notre Dame is that USC game is looking a little bit less scary now that Notre Dame's kind of like, all right, yeah, like we're for real. Like and with and with the way that USC played against Arizona State, Notre Dame could win out, guys. I could see Notre Dame winning out. Now, they have an unexpected unexpected test of Duke this week. College game day is going to be in Durham for the first time ever. In the history of college game day, they've never been in Durham, North Carolina for a matchup uh, because Duke is relevant this year, which is awesome. That's going to be a hard one to pick. 
guys, I actually don't know what I'm going to pick for that one. I think I'm going to go to Notre Dame. I really like him, but I really like Duke. We'll see. Also, for those of you watching on YouTube, hope you like this new look. I finally set up my camera uh, for a webcam. I'm using actually just like a webcam service using Canon software. And hopefully it looks a lot more clear than usual. So new look, not just like your crappy, my crappy laptop webcam thing. So that's a plus. Anyways, that's my game of the week. Now let's move on to another award. Um, let's go. Let's stay with the let's stay with the positive ones here. My on the rise award goes to Washington State. This game was awesome. Sadly, it was covered up by the Notre Dame game. Same time slot. This Saturday was really tough. I don't know why a lot of TV channels can't have different time slots. Let me explain. In college football, for, for my mountain time, actually, we can put in Eastern time standards, whatever. You have your noon slot, first games, your 3.30 slot, and then like your 7.30 slot, all in Eastern time. And uh, obviously, you have those really, really late games that are like 10 o'clock, like your Mountain West and maybe some Pac-12 at night games. But like, there's really those three, four slots, and all the games start then. All the games that are on um, live TV all start at those times. So pretty much any Power Five school that's going to play a game, because most of the, most of them are going to be on um, ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN Two, CBS, NBC for Notre Dame, um, and Fox and Fox Sports. So. The problem is, is that in a week like week four, you have one, two, three, four, five, six ranked games, along with two or three other really good matchups. And me being a BYU fan, having my game at in the 330 slot with also also the Colorado Oregon game at the 330 slot, also the Ole Miss Alabama game and the Utah UCLA game. There are three ranked games that I'm missing because I need to watch my BYU Cougars play, obviously, and I have to fight. I literally don't have enough time and enough like screen space to play all these games. So I feel like college football can do better. Uh, obviously, it's easier said than done. I think it would be really, really great if we could have something that separates them out um, because they don't have to be at the same time. Obviously, the each channel, I can see having their own time slots, but why can't ESPN start at 10 or start, let's say, the noon slot in Eastern time and ESPN 2 starts at one, I don't know. Um, just kind of a rant for the week because it was really hard to watch six ranked games as I didn't even get to watch a second of Penn State, Iowa. It's the only one I really missed completely, and I'm not very happy about it. So, yeah. Anyways, Oregon State, Washington State. Washington State is on the rise. I have Washington State, I believe, at 15 in my poll. I think it's very justified. I think in the AP, they went up to... 14 or 15. But yeah, very, very impressive showdown in the Pac-2 championship. That was the meme, the context coming into this was, I mean, y'all know it, the Pac-2 championship. The uh, the mascots came out um, together waving each other's flag um, to, sim- to symbolize kind of like a, a brotherhood of the two schools, which I think is really cool because it is kind of like there's a brotherhood of these two guys sticking it out, you know, staying in the pack too. Gonna see what's gonna happen, but they're gonna stay together. So let's get in this game. DJ Uyunglele, um, always doing his thing against Cam Ward of Washington State. 
great QB matchup in the Pac-12. And this game got started quick. Uh, I was able to watch the first quarter in, in its entirety of this game um, because this one did start at actually, hey, this one started at five, which was awesome. So this one started at five, not 5.30. Sorry for me, Eastern time, seven, 7.30. So I was, able, I was able to watch some of the game because it wasn't at the same time as Notre Dame, Ohio State or Ole Miss, Alabama. It had its own slot, which was awesome. Um, so this game got off to a wild start. And let me tell you, I am very impressed by both of these teams. Another one of those where Oregon state did not win. Um, Washington state pulled out with a dub 38, 35 in a close one, but heck of a game. So let's see, let's look at these, uh, let's look at these statistics here, um, of this great game cam ward those for 400 yards and four touchdowns now i gotta give credit to uh the receiver on washington state i'm blinging on his name it's uh anyway i tagged him in my instagram in instagram post um it was let's see who it was um josh kelly josh kelly this this man had two amazing one-handed catches for Washington State. Oh, he's got some talent. Um, anyways, Washington State goes up 28 to 14 at half. Now, Washington State is kind of the ones like paving the way this entire game. They even go up 35-14 into the fourth quarter. We're entering the fourth quarter. It's 35-14. This game ends as a three-point game. Oregon State rallies back and is able to score off a huge DJ um, scramble, which was epic. And Oregon State storms back and scores with a minute left. So we get 38-35. They are unable to uh, to recover the uh, onside kick. But, man, guys, the Pac-12 is so fun to watch this year. It is so fun. I can't even tell you. I was... I had, so I actually had two screens set up at my house, which was awesome. Two screens. I had my top screen. I had Notre Dame. Is it working? Okay, cut that out. My camera just freaked out. Maybe don't cut it out. I don't know. You guys can. It's the reality. My camera just spazzed. Anyways, um, I had Ohio State Notre Dame on the top, Oregon Washington State on the bottom. And I was watching Oregon Washington State for a lot of it because Notre Dame Ohio State was a 0-0 game. 0-3 game going into half. So this game was super exciting. Washington State, sadly, is in a Pac-12 that is stacked. And I think in any other year, Washington State would have a chance to compete for the championship. But sadly, I just I don't know if I see Washington State winning enough games to compete against USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington. Sadly, just the, the talent gap, I think, is too... I hate to say it, but I think I think there's just too much of a talent gap between these these powerhouses. Um, USC, Washington, Oregon, Utah um, are scary. They are high octane offenses, and Washington State, albeit a great offense as well, I think their defense. Um, I don't think it could keep up with a lot of these uh, big boys. So sadly, Washington State. I don't know if it can continue the way it has 
Um, let's see who they who they play uh who they play following this in this Pac-12 gauntlet. They play at UCLA next week. Okay. Um. Oh no, they do have a bye week. Okay. All right. So they have a bye week. By the way, they've already beaten number nineteen Wisconsin at home. Um. But yeah, they've played three straight home games, which is um definitely helping. Um. They don't play Utah, which is a, which is a plus. They also don't play USC, which is a plus. Okay. Okay. So they so they play UCLA, which is that's a tough one in the Rose Bowl, Oregon, and Washington. Both Oregon and Washington being on the road, and they also play Colorado, which which is worth mentioning. So, not the worst Pac-12 schedule. That's probably one of the, actually the weaker ones I've seen of the big boys. Um, of my four to five big boys, they only play two of them. Hey. If you went out, if you let's say let's say you beat UCLA, beat Arizona, beat Arizona State, beat Stanford, beat Cal, and even maybe beat Colorado or win one of the you win one of your three or three bigger games, you you beat Oregon, Colorado, or Washington, you're a two loss team, um, that would that could maybe maybe slip into the, hey, slip into the Pac-12 championship. Crazier things have happened, last year being an example. Um, does Washington state pull off something that we haven't seen? I mean, we all know that it would be the craziest thing if Oregon state or Washington state won the PAC 12 this year, that would be one of the greatest stories. Also, is it really revenge or I don't even know what you call it, but just wild. If they're last year in the PAC 12, everyone left them and they beat everybody going to the big, going to the big conferences. Imagine the salt they would put um, in those wounds. Those are both of America's teams, hundred percent. I don't, I don't know a person in the freaking world that's not cheering for Oregon State and Washington State to win out. So, very good stuff up north. Also, on the Oregon State side of things, not all is lost. Oregon State is still Oregon State. I think that Oregon State's going to beat Utah this week. They play on Friday night. I think Oregon State could pull off the win. It's a, it's in a it's in Reeser Stadium in Corvallis, Corvallis. And I think uh I think Oregon State pulls off the win. I know this is not my predictions episode. That'll be um on Friday, coming out on Friday, but I wouldn't be surprised. If Cam Rising is back, maybe it's a little different. Maybe I see Utah. But hey, Oregon State is still a really good team. Very good. I like them. All right. Um, let's move on. Let's go quickly. UCLA, Utah, another Pac-12 matchup. Um, honestly, Utah's defense finally showed up. Um, in terms of just like, okay, they played a very good offense. Um, you know, they played Oregon and Baylor, whose offenses have been the the problem in their teams. And playing against UCLA, UCLA has scored fifty points a game, albeit against Coastal Carolina and some other. I mean, UC Irvine or something. Um, but still, I mean, you stopped a top 25 ranked team to seven points. You held them to seven points. And that was throughout the whole game. They scored in the fourth quarter, um, UCLA. So Utah, heck of a performance on defense. Offense still really struggling without Cam. Also, the offensive line is struggling. Um, I, I believe, yeah, your center is out. Someone can correct me on that. Um, and that doesn't help because having one big lineman out, um, doesn't it, it creates it creates a lot more problems than just one lineman. Uh, the entire line is just weaker 
when you're missing, especially a key piece. Like, uh, I can't remember his name, guys. Anyways, I'm pretty sure the key, the main starting center, who's like the best guy on their line is out. So um, the pass protection has got to get better. Utah, I think, has this like the second worst in the Pac-12 in uh, in pass protection in terms of um, tackles for loss or uh, um, pressures, sacks, et cetera. Um, but other than that, even though you won 14-7 and one of those scores was a pick six, hey, that defense, if you can if you can stop a Pac-12 offense, um, so if you're able to stop uh, Oregon State's offense next week, then heck yeah, you got the win. You just need to score a few times. You score once or twice on offense and you can beat them. So good game from Utah against UCLA. Dante Moore, uh, quarterback for UCLA, didn't have the best performance. I mean, it's hard to go play at a rowdy place. Uh, in Salt Lake City, I don't think he really had much of a true road test yet. And uh, so good on him. But uh, Utah fans, I picked you to win this game. A lot of people are picking UCLA. I picked Utah. So um, anyways, I might pick against you this week. Cam's got to come back. You need Cam so bad. The re- And the reason I'm not really – I'm still – Utah is completely out of my Pac-12 championship right now just because we have not seen Cam play with the team. Um, the minute Cam plays and they start going and they they score more than 20, 25 points, then we'll start bringing it into the conversation. But, yeah, keeping it going. Penn State, Iowa. This game, again, kind of fell under the radar because a lot of other games were going on. Guys, I know Iowa's offense is not the best, but talk about domination. Penn State looks better and better every week. I know Iowa's not the toughest test. I thought Iowa was overrated anyways. I was not surprised to see 31-0 because I thought Iowa had no chance in this game. But talk about like, hey, whoa, shutting him out at home? Well, in their place, but nice. They held Cade McNamara, 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 cool name though, to 42 yards of passing. 42 yards. It's not good for Iowa fans. Now, Iowa's not a bad team, but the entire time they've been kind of randomly ranked this year. I, I knew that they, I've talked about them in the preseason, like they had a really good team last year in terms of defense. And if their offense improved a little bit, they would be okay. But what I've seen so far, beating Iowa State by like 10, beating Utah State by like 10, like, ah, those are bad teams, man. Like, for it's one of those things where they got ranked, or they got a bunch of votes the first week just because there was, there was some preseason hype. And it was warranted, I think, coming into the in the preseason. I was kind of like, okay, Iowa could be good. Like, the first week I wasn't concerned about having Iowa around the top 25. I think they ranked 25 week one. But like week one week two it was one of those where people were just putting them in there because they're in the AP poll and they were ranked purely out of like it's one of those it's not like peer pressure but it's like just because everyone's saying it I don't understand why they were ranked they quickly fell out of my top 25 when they beat Utah State by 10 points so um yeah this one didn't surprise me didn't surprise me Penn State looked amazing as usual, 31-0. Penn State is – guys, Penn State, this could be the year. A lot of people are saying it. A lot of people are thinking it. I have Penn State as my third team. Third team in my top 25. 
I know it's a little high, but I like them. I like them first thing because I'm really excited. I would love to see someone who's not Michigan Ohio State win the Big Ten. That would be so sick. Um, second of all, I think that Michigan and Ohio State so far have some problems that could be exploited. There are some things that like they actually have flaws. They are not, there's not this huge gap that Penn State has to pull off a miracle just to beat one of them. I think there's a super good chance they beat one of them. Um, Ohio State, I think, is more likely. But Penn State, this is your year. This is the best chance you've had pretty much probably since uh, probably since Saquon was there in uh, 2017, 2018, 2016, around there. This is probably the best chance you've had to pull off something. So, hey. Penn State to the playoff is becoming a very popular narrative that I'm all for. 31-0. Um, your boy, Drew Aller, quarterback for Penn State, went 25-37. Uh, 166 yards, looked really good. Um, Penn State rushed for 215 yards. So just the fact that Iowa, like, yes, you held them to zero points, but also the offense. I mean, 31 points is great. Put up 31 points on one of the best offenses in CFB. So, our defenses, sorry. Supposedly. That's pretty dominant. It's pretty dominant. All right. Let's keep going. Um, let's actually go to more awards here. My underrated team of the week, Fresno State. Fresno State is now 4-0. Um, they beat Arizona State last week, obviously, what was it, like 29 to nothing or something like that. So I like Fresno State a lot. Watch out for that. I think they're actually ranked 25 in the AP poll, as well as in my poll. So I really like Fresno State right now, Mountain West School. Right now, there's been, there's been zero G5 teams ranked um, other than Tulane earlier this year when they got knocked out by Ole Miss. So the G5 teams have been really underperforming. Um, Boise State hasn't been crazy good. San Diego State has been pretty underwhelming. A lot of those teams that are usually floating around there um, have been have lost or not done so well. So good on uh, good on Fresno State. Um, they play Nevada this week and they have not lost since like week five of last year. They have the second longest win streak in CFB. So love that. But yeah, they beat Kent state 53 to 10 last week, beat Arizona state 29 to zero and one at Purdue first week. So, um, really good showing from Fresno state. All right. Next award. I got the best. Um, oh wait, no, let's see. Let's go solid performance. I had Penn state. Underachiever, I had UCLA. Didn't look too good, UCLA. Did not play like a ranked team. Utah's defense did whatever they wanted against you. I believe they sacked Dante Moore like nine times. Ah. Anyways, let's cut this out. Let's cut this out. My team of the week, Oregon. Let's talk about it with Duck Zone 503. All right, you can use that to start. Another category I have is uh kind of just like uh mm, I got LSU. They played against Arkansas in a wild game, nearly the game of the week. Crazy game. Very impressive showing from LSU and Arkansas. And by impressive I mean game wise. But LSU looked a little sloppy at home. 
Um, that game should not have been as close. Arkansas obviously just lost to BYU last week at home. And uh, they nearly beat Ark or beat LSU in Death Valley. It came down to a field goal uh, with just seconds on the clock to beat uh, to beat Arkansas. KJ Jefferson has been a little underwhelming, and Jane Daniels has kind of stepped up. However, just you allowed Arkansas to score thirty-one points on you, and honestly, just. I don't know. I, I LSU's really hard to figure out right now because Mississippi State last week, they looked really good. Just beating a team like that, obviously Mississippi State's not the best right now. 42-7 to against Mississippi, Mississippi State last week is like at their place. All right, like that's pretty good. Beating an SEC school, don't care who you are. 42-7, to unless it's Vanderbilt. At their place, like, all right, that's that's pretty good. Like, I like that. I like that. But... I I don't know. They're so inconsistent. So I don't know what to think. Dropped to 509 total yards, um, which was great. This is kind of a kind of a shootout. But once again, Arkansas, their penalties kind of just kicked them in the foot or kicked them in the nuts. 11 penalties for Arkansas. Um, same thing against BYU last week. They had like 45 penalties in the last like two minutes of the game. Um. So I don't really know what to think yet of LSU. They're ranked 12th, and I moved him back a little bit, and I'm still just, I'm really unsure what to make of them. Last but not least, let's talk about Florida State Clemson. Another amazing game, almost another game of the week. Holy cow. This game was so good. Keep in mind, guys. Here, here's my take on this. A lot of people are like, well, this win didn't matter very much because, well, Clemson's bad anyways, right? Like, we, you said they're a bad team. Okay. First of all, Clemson was overrated coming into the season. Yes. Clemson's still Clemson in Death Valley. Listen, Death Valley is a really hard place to play. To play. And Clemson's still good. I mean, they used they were still dropping 70 points on teams last week. I know it's not the best competition, but you got to be pretty good to be putting up huge numbers like that. And I don't know, Clemson at home is pretty scary, especially with that kind of fire. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see this wit. People were like, "Well, they struggled against them and against Boston College." Yeah, cuz it's low key a rivalry from those two. Florida State hasn't hasn't won there in 10 plus years since Jameis Winston was playing. I don't know. I don't, that's my opinion right now is like, I don't see why people are like, like this, this is not Boston college. This is Clemson. Like they needed overtime guys. I'm not buying the whole like Clemson bad. So this, this, they shouldn't No, that death Valley is still really hard to win. Well, I think Clemson's still like decent team. I don't know. I don't think they should be ranked after this week, like right now, which they're not. But like, Clemson is still going to have, mm, they have two losses right now. Still have eight wins or nine wins. This is still a really good team. So, calm your crap. Florida State is good. They have a lot of heart. They won this game coming from behind. And I still like them a lot. 
I have them at number six in my, my poll. They dropped a little bit, but only because other teams were passing them. That's the only reason why they dropped in my poll. It's just because I like, oh, Ohio State, that was a good win. I put them over. Um, I, I do like Penn State. That's a good win over Iowa. And that's it. Penn State and Ohio State jumped them in my poll. That's it. So that's the only reason they dropped for me. I believe in the AP poll they dropped to six. Don't remember. Oh, no, five. They're five. Five right now. So Florida State, you just got to win your easy games. You got nothing left. Florida State's schedule from now on is a cakewalk. A absolute cakewalk. From this way on, they play Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Pitt. Well, uh, well, actually, it's not looking like so much of a cakewalk. At the start of the season, we thought it was a cakewalk, except for Clemson. They do play Duke, which is now a good team, and Miami. They play, however, they play both of those at home. They play at Florida, but Florida should not be ranked. And uh, yeah, quickly, let's talk about Florida really quickly. Florida should not be ranked, period. No freaking way right now. So bad of like college football fans. Like, what the heck? Why is Florida ranked? Yes, you beat Tennessee, who's good. And I, I still somewhat believe in Tennessee. Florida is a good team, but I'm saying you can't be ranked right now. Oh my gosh. You want to know what happened this week in the swamp? Charlotte came to town. Like the second year in FBS for them, maybe even first year of FBS for them. And Florida won 22 to 7, pretty underwhelming. You know how they got 22? They scored five field goals. You're telling me you couldn't score in the red zone against Charlotte? How are you going to score against LSU or against Georgia? Yeah, I don't think uh, Florida should be ranked right now. Um, I think they should be in the 25 to 30 range or the 30 35 range. Like they're there. But 22 right now? No. No, 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 no. And especially after last week's performance. They, move up, they moved up three, obviously, probably because other people were moving around them. But you beat Charlotte with field goals. They scored one touchdown against Charlotte. I don't know, I guess. Um, that kind of grinds my gears a little bit. I don't think Florida should be ranked. I think that's blatant brand and SEC bias playing into that. Um, however, speaking of SEC bias... There's one SEC team in the top 10. That's Georgia. Next team is Alabama at 12. So I do like that. That's uh, I don't hate the SEC. I'm just saying, I think it's, they're calling it like it is. Uh, Alabama, Alabama beat a really good Ole Miss team. And uh, so credit where it's due. I think Alabama is still deserving of a top 15 spot. Some people are still hating on them, um, but they recovered this week. Big win for Alabama. Like, all right, well, not all is lost. This was this was Ole Miss's time to beat him. This was the – it's kind of like a Notre Dame thing where this was like this was the year. If they're going to beat him any year, this was the time to do it. You won't get your chance for another few years. <laughs> um, this was the year to do it. So hats off to Bama for doing that. Anyways, guys, that is pretty much all I have for this episode. Um, huge thanks to DuckZone503 for coming on. And we're going to have a predictions episode later this week. Um, I am filming this right now at 2.30 in the morning because I've had no time today. I'm filming this in my room, my dorm room, like usual. Um, but hey, the camera is a huge improvement. That's sick. 
Here's my closet right behind me. And uh, you can see my clothes in there. It's pretty cool. But uh, guys, I am excited for this week. We got some good games. We got some really good games. USC, Colorado, Utah, Oregon State. Good Pac-12 matchups. Georgia finally gets somewhat of a test against Auburn. Florida plays Kentucky. Kansas plays Texas. Mm. Michigan plays at, at Nebraska. I mean, not bad. Not bad at all. So be sure to tune into that. Um, I love you guys. Things are going great with this podcast. Please be sure to subscribe on all the places you listen. Oh, also LSU Ole Miss. Whoa. And Notre Dame Duke. Duh. Okay. Yo, there's still some really good games this week. Guys, don't sleep on this week. Week five is like low-key, really nice. We got one, two, three, four ranked matchups. Four ranked matchups with like two or three other like really good ones. Yeah, don't sleep. Don't sleep on college football. Support that keeps on giving. So be sure to turn in for that. And uh, yeah, that's all I got this week, guys. Um, Share this with a friend, I guess. And I'm really excited to talk more college football and give me my predictions for this week. Uh, we'll see who I have on the podcast. I Do you guys like having me guest star people on this podcast? Let me know. I think it's pretty fun. I like having other opinions, not, not just mine. You're probably tired, tired of hearing my voice. But yeah. Signing off from Showtime College Football.